Okay. Good afternoon, you guys. I'm going to invite you to uh, take your seats. And, you know, it's so good to see all of you here today. Um, you know, each week when we begin, you never know who's going to be here. And, uh, then, you know, at the very least, we say, well, no matter what, we know that we are worshiping and serving the Lord, and we have an audience of one. Um, but it's always great to have the whole family together. Um, and so thank you again for uh, your faithfulness in that regard. Just have a few quick announcements. Uh, you may have noticed we had um, uh, Rick, the chairman of the United Church, here today during worship. And they were uh, ch checking things out, and they've just expressed an invitation that uh, if you enjoy being in church all day long, you could also uh, check out uh, Waterford United in the mornings if that's something that you would be interested in doing. Um, and so that you have an invitation. Okay, so I just want to make sure I pass that on. Rick uh, enjoys. So there's the uh, invitation. Speaking of invitations, Don and Tony are celebrating their 60th wedding anniversary this Saturday, right? And um, from what I understand, from 1 to 5 p.m., still 1 to 5, right? Okay, 1 to 5 at the Gibbled Goose right here in Waterford, they're going to have that celebration, and you're all invited. Uh, there'll be some finger foods, and it'll be a nice time. 60 years. I mean, the average in Canada is six years. It went down a year. You're at 60 all right, praise the Lord. <laughs> That's awesome. Bless you guys. That's great. Um, other exciting announcement, a little bit different, for a one-time limited um, you know, occasion only, our next uh, service we'll schedule for October 2nd will be at 11 a.m. Our service on October 2nd will be at 11 a.m. So where will you be Sunday, October 2nd? Here at 11 a.m. The reason for that is their minister, they're having a special um, ceremony um, for her, and they want to involve other uh, clergy members throughout the district. And so, you know, they're all in the pulpits on a Sunday morning, so they asked if we could swap. So we've swapped our service times, and we think that's great, right? We get to have, for you know, limited time only, a Sunday morning gathering, 11 a.m. So I hope to see you. You better be here, okay? Okay. <laughs> um, last but not least, there's something I'm also equally, if not ex tremendously excited about. Friday, October 21st, the Friday after Pumpkin Fest, we're having a night of hope. It was something we've always wanted to do. We kind of, you know, flirted with, with it a little bit last August. But this coming October 21st, we're having a night of hope, a special time of worship and prayer. Worship and prayer. So you're all invited. Invite your friends. The invitation is going on to other churches. Everyone is invited to come to bring needs you may have, prayer requests. Maybe you have an ailment or any other issues going on in your life and you need prayer. Or you just want to come here and worship your lungs out. A night of hope is for you. There will be no message. It'll be a time of worship and prayer. And you don't have to worry, well, you know, maybe you've been to prayer meetings, not dismissing other prayer meetings, but I'm not going to have a big agenda on the screen where you have to go point by point. You're coming here just to be free and to worship and pray and bring those prayer requests. So hope to see you Friday, October 21st. And there's a few other events coming down the road. It'll all be on our website, like the ladies' tea. So if you're ever curious what's going on in the future, be sure to check out uh, the next steps on our website.
So I want to invite you, to, invite you guys to turn to Matthew chapter 6. We're going we're gonna to get, uh, get this going here as we look to the Word. Matthew chapter 6, um, starting in verse uh, 16. We're looking at a new section about fasting and what do we treasure in life. And so right in verse 16, I believe we'll have the words up on the screen as well. Whenever you fast... Don't be gloomy like the hypocrites, for they make their faces unattractive so that their fasting is obvious to people. Truly, I tell you, they have the reward. But when you fast, put oil on your head and wash your face so that your fasting isn't obvious to others, but to your father who is in secret. And your father who sees in secret will reward you. Don't store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourselves treasure in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves don't break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. The eye is the lamp of the body. If your eye is healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. So if the light within you is darkness, how deep is that darkness? No one can serve two masters, since either he will hate one and love the other, or he'll be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. And we'll stop there for now. You know, each day you wake up, we realize there's only so many hours in the day. You look at the clock and you see, okay, it's 7 a.m. or maybe in Paulo's case, it's like three o'clock in the morning when he's starting his day, uh, heading down to the site. Whatever, when you're starting your day, you realize you only have so many hours to accomplish what you have on your agenda. We have different focuses, different priorities. And my question for you as we go through this passage, what are your priorities What are my priorities? What takes precedence in my life? We've heard many times what you give your time to, what you give your thought life to, there your life will be also. Look what Jesus says in this passage of Scripture. He says, where your heart is, there your treasure will be also. What are your priorities? What are you giving your heart to? Now we look here, fasting. How many of you have fasted? Okay, we've all been there. There's different kinds of fasting. There's spiritual fasting, and there's just good old physical fasting. They both have their benefits. And now I can say without a shot of debt, Jesus is not referring to the benefits of a physical fast. Although there are some, maybe you're trimming down the waistline. I don't know what those things might be, but he's looking at more a spiritual sense, the benefit, the reward of that Fasting. Now, fasting is defined as this, depriving oneself of food and drink. Depriving oneself of food and drink. And we know it can cover many different facets. Maybe you're one that you'll fast music for a time, or maybe a favorite, you know, because it falls in with food, a favorite snack. So you can hone in on that which you're trying to accomplish. And in many respects, when we realize that Jesus is drawing a connection to the importance of fasting, that naturally the Jews in this time would forego food and drink. 
And so naturally, they would then be foregoing not only food and drink, but the necessity for life. In many regards, they're saying, Lord, we need these things, but we're refocusing, reorientating our life around you in whom comes life, breath, and everything else. Think about it. You can go X amount of days without food, but I I think it's no less than what? Is it seven or how many days is it without water? I didn't research that part. Three days? Four days, Nick? Can I hear a five? Can I hear a six? How many days? Four days. Thanks, man. We can only go so long without water. And think about it. Jesus said that he's the living water. He's the living water. He says, anyone who comes and drinks of me will never go thirsty again. Think about that. The power in his name, like we're singing. So there's various reasons for this fasting. It allows for the shift in focus, for us to go from the physical pursuits, the things that are temporal, to things that are of eternal value. So Jesus, he's reorienting us in saying, don't focus on the things that are temporal, the here and the now. They're, all, they're finite. They're only going to last for so long. But give yourself to that which is eternal. Hear that beautiful rain. Isn't that cool? Matthew chapter 5, verse 6, Jesus says, Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Blessed are those, blessed are you when you hunger and thirst for righteousness, for you will be filled. And so as I was going through this passage, I was saying, you know, amen, Lord, I hunger and thirst for your righteousness, your good works to be done in and through my life. Your word promises that I will be filled. You will be filled. We will be filled. And in many respects, it just realizes going through this that when we spiritually fast, it gives us a greater degree of clarity of kingdom vision. Just like with prayer, you can make any public place into a private secret place to commune with God. In the same way, when we fast and we deprive ourselves of those things that are temporal, we're able to gain this greater clarity of his kingdom. Think about it. Everything that you hold dear in this life, if you were to pass today, what could you take with you? You never see a U-Haul behind a hearse. The pharaohs tried. They built these gigantic pyramids, these monuments, in order to give them safe passage, or so they thought, into the afterlife. But they couldn't do it. When they have these archaeologists, when they dig things up, they find all this treasure. They couldn't take it with them. You and I, we can't take it with us. So what is our focus? And don't get me wrong. Jesus isn't saying here you, you can't acquire things. He's not saying that. He's, but he's telling us, he's challenging us. What's your focus? What's your motivation in life? Just with, with prayer of being seen, fight the urge to be seen. Also fight the urge to only pursue that which is material and finite. You know, like you, I have things in my house that I enjoy and I cherish. I have a theater room and I like to watch movies In some ways, sometimes it's like a refuge, and yet it is nothing. It is pale into comparison to what I have in Jesus Christ. The Apostle Paul understood this. I mean, this guy was a Roman citizen. He was the guy of all guys. He was educated, well, you know, well to do. He was a member originally of the Pharisees' top um, committee, and yet he says, I consider it all as loss. 
that I may gain Christ. He saw eternal value. And so fasting gives us this shift in focus. And, you know, many times we can maybe disregard its value. I've been in one point in time to say, oh, yeah, you're fasting? Oh, okay. And I kind of shrug it off. And yet there is definitely a place for it. However, Jesus doesn't command it. You know, Barbie doesn't say in his word here, you must fast. He says things like love your neighbor, amongst many other things. He never says you must fast, but he's saying when you fast, don't dress up just like with prayer. Don't go out and make it be like, oh, woe is me. I haven't ate for so many days. I'm so hungry. Oh, but the Lord will provide, but I'm so hungry. He's saying, no, be normal, be real. If you normally get yourself ready in the morning, get yourself ready as normal. If you normally shave, shave. Don't make it so obvious because when we go down that path, what are we doing? We're making it about ourselves. Fasting is about reorientating our focus on him and what is eternal. When we do the opposite, he's showing us, you're making it about yourselves, you hypocrites. That's what he's saying. Jesus himself, for 40 days, Leading up to his temptation and his ministry, he fasted. But you notice where he goes in Matthew 4. It says that Jesus was led by the Spirit. And forgive me, I don't have the verses for this. Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. After he had fasted for 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. And the tempter then approached him and said, if you are the son of God, tell these stones to become bread. And Jesus answered him and said, it is written, man must not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. Look at this connection here. Jesus went into the desert. The temptation didn't take place in the market square where everybody was. It happened in a secret place. The Apostle Paul, he understood where this, this drive, this focus, this clarity comes from when we jettison our need for the things of this world and focus on that which is, is eternal. Look what he says in Acts 17, verse 25. He says that from him comes life, breath, and everything else. And so here Jesus says, look, when you fast, don't make it a gloomy spectacle. But be joyful in that shift. Here he shows that people are making a big deal about it. Did you know this, that the culture at the time, it wasn't uncommon for them to rub ashes all over themselves? They would rub ashes on their face, almost like a smoke signal. Like, I'm fasting today. Or even in mourning, if, if someone, they experienced loss or grief, there were professional mourners in the Old Testament. They would rip their garments, oh, right? But yet we don't see any of that similarity in the New Testament. Because Jesus says he's making all things new. He's shifting our focuses. He's shifting our priorities. He's not commanding us to fast. But again, when he's saying, when you fast, be mindful in how you're fasting. 
And as I was writing some notes, I thought, well, in many respects, could this then apply to public outcries? Could this apply to marches? Could this apply to wearing various garments, banners, being noticed in our struggle? I don't know. But this is something I wrote down. Could it apply? I don't have an answer for you on that. But all I do know is this, that with prayer, God sees and he hears. And so just like last week, if he sees and hears all things, we don't have to dress it up. We don't have to rub stuff on our face. We don't have to make it so that people see us and like, oh my goodness, like, you know, Jim, you're looking really different today. Is everything okay? Are you fasting? (laughs) I think the challenge here is be authentic and be joyful as you approach the Lord, even in your fasting. And so here Jesus shows us, focus on eternal treasures. I don't know if you saw this online, but this was crazy. Apparently, the company Oreo crafted a bunker in Norway in the case of an apocalypse to protect their cookies and recipes. And in other recent news, archaeologists were digging. They're on this dig, and they're going around. They found this old mummy, very, very old. And after close inspection, you know, Isaiah, they found out that this mummy has a very low pulse, low vitals. And in fact, there was something clenched within the fist of this person. Would you believe it? And inside that fist, the scroll said, Do not believe everything you read on the internet. There's treasures. I don't know if the Oreo story is real or not. I thought that was pretty cute. But we treasure things. We we covet things. We we protect that which we value most. And yet Jesus says as he goes on in 25, therefore I tell you, don't worry about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, or about your body or about what you will wear. Isn't life more than food and the body more than clothing? Consider the birds of the sky, like the song we heard today. They don't sow or reap or gather into barns, yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Aren't you worth more than they are? Wow. God cares for me. He says, he says, don't worry. Focus on the things that matter. If you seek first, he says here later on 33, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be provided for you. you got to love it. 60 years of marriage. He must have provided in those years. Amen. 60 years. And yet in verse 34, he says, Therefore, don't worry about tomorrow, because today will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. And so what do you see here? Don't worry. God will provide. Don't make it about yourself. And yet the provision doesn't promise that we'll be free from trouble. This is where the prosperity gospel, where you solely only land there. This is where it falls flat, because you will face trouble. Jesus says, in this life, you will have trouble. Or in the original language, you will face much tribulation. But take heart, I've overcome the world. Again, when you breathe your last breath and you transition from here to eternity with the Lord, what do you take with you? Your relationship with him. What do you value? What do you hold most dear? 
And it's easy to get caught in those material things. It's easy to get caught up because we know what that supply could mean. We know that X amount of dollars on the paycheck could maybe mean we drive a better car, a smoother ride. We've seen how finances, money, as he talks about, could, you know, move the pendulum, if you will. It helps in relief efforts, and money is not the issue here. Money's not evil. In and of itself, money can be used for good purposes. But what the issue is, is our love of it. Our love of the mammon. In the Aramaic, that's where we get the word money from. It, it refers to possessions. Material possessions. So when he says, no one can serve two masters, since either he will hate one and love the other, or he'll be devoted to one and despise the other, you cannot serve both God and money. You cannot serve both God and mammon. You can't serve both God and material possessions. Again, you can't take it with you. My limited edition Sidney Crosby autographed Stanley Cup champion poster and jersey. I cannot take it with me. It stays here. It's the things that yard sales are made of. There's something we all know very well. Mammon, money, has zero impact on where we spend eternity. Throughout scripture, we see where people challenged Jesus and even the apostle, thought they could buy the power of God. They thought maybe they could buy their way and work their way in the kingdom. That's not the economy of heaven. It's the blood of Christ. So think about it. Money can't dictate where you spend eternity. It doesn't dictate your eternal reward. So it shifts our focus as we fast. It reorientates us and says, Lord, you haven't blessed me with all this resource so I can have the largest castle on the hill. No, you've enabled me with that provision to be a light on that hill, to be a resource to those in need. You're a city on a hill. It's a dawn of a new day. You and I are given provision. And so Jesus shows us here, we're not meant to be void of material possessions, if we look to Luke 8, verse 1, it says here, After he was traveling from one town and village to another, preaching and telling the good news of the kingdom of God, the twelve were with him, and also some women who had been healed of evil spirits and sicknesses. Mary, called Magdalene, seven demons had come out of her. Joanna, the wife of Shusa, Herod's steward, and Susanna, and many others who were supporting them from their possessions. Did you catch that last part? They were supporting Jesus in the ministry effort with their possessions. God blesses us so that we can bless others. Look at Philippians 4 verse 18. Paul's in prison and he's writing to the Philippians and he says, I have received everything in full. I have an abundance. I am fully supplied, having received everything from Ephroditus, what you provided a fragrant offering, an acceptable sacrifice, pleasing to God. And I got to love this, verse 19. And my God will supply all your needs according to his riches in Christ Jesus. Again, those riches, when we think about what we can't take with us, what are those riches? My eternal security and position as a member of the family of God. I am seated with Christ in the heavenly place. 
And so he's caused to be fruitful in this life, like the birds of the sky. Think about this. You've maybe heard this before. The birds are flapping around. They're flying, soaring high in the sky. And God provides for them, but they still have to forge and go, go and seek out that which God has provided for them. And he does the same for us. It's not this cakewalk where we just, you know, sit back and it's, it's just falling from the sky. Just open our mouth. Ah, right? Very different. That's why I love 2 Peter verse um, 3. His divine power has given us everything required for life and godliness through the knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and goodness. By these he has given us very great and precious promises so that through them you may share in the divine nature escaping the corruption that is in this world because of evil desire. You and I have everything we need to participate in the divine nature living according to the kingdom in the way that God would have us live, escaping the corruption that mammon can bring. It's like a gateway drug. If we're not careful, it can dictate. If we're not careful, it can rule our life. And so he says again, don't store up those kind of treasures for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. And so like a good automatrist, Jesus is checking our gaze. He's checking your eyesight. How's your vision? Are you seeing clearly? A little better now? One. How about number two? What do you value? What do I value? What's the vision statement of my life? You know, any company, when they form their vision statement, it's based on a picture frame of values around the picture. What do we value? What do we hold most dear? We've already established you can't bring anything with you. There's no moving trucks following you when you leave this life. And so the takeaway Jesus is showing you, your Lord, your heavenly Father, he cares for you. Seek first the kingdom of God and he'll provide everything else, the necessity of life in itself. Live not for the perishable, but what's eternal. And so think about it today as we begin to close. And I'm going to invite Jim, if you could find my brother somewhere back there. But think about this. If we can't take any material items with us, we know our relationship remains. It's intact. It's eternal. How much you love the fact that Jesus doesn't want to just spend eternity with just you and I. He's prepared a house with many rooms and he's gifted and provided for you and I to go into this world and share that eternal treasure that we have. This is something that I am being deeply challenged within my own life that even when it's uncomfortable, whether I'm in the grocery store, I'm driving down the road and I park my car and I'm walking through a parking lot, take advantage of opportunities even when I lost my father and I, I prayed and I prayed and I prayed and I believed that he was going to be raised from the dead. That even in itself became a ministering point for those I came in contact with. Because it didn't change. I knew where my father was. I knew the eternal value, the treasure that was stored in his heart. I knew that I would see him one day, once again. 
on the streets of gold? What do we value? What's your vision statement? And I have to appreciate Matthew 28 as the worship team comes. We have our vision statement. We have our mission. Matthew 28 verse 19 says, Go therefore and make disciples, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to observe everything that I have commanded you. And remember... I am with you always to the end of the age. I'm with you. I'm with you. When you're in lack, I'm with you. Even the needs that you think are needs that aren't being met, I'm with you. He promises life, breath. Beyond that, everything's a gift. Health, wealth. He says, don't worry. Don't worry. And so as the worship team sings and we come to a time of responding in worship. I'm so thankful that as we go and we realize and we thank God in this time of fasting, we can shift, we can reorientate our focus. We can celebrate that, understand that just by the confession of our mouth, Isaiah, when we believe in our heart that God raised Christ from the dead, we're saved. There's no dressing it up. We're saved. Yeah, we falter, we misstep, but we're saved. The very, very moment, Romans 10, 9 and 10 says, if you confess with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised Christ from the dead, you will be saved. One believes with the heart resulting in righteousness, and one confesses with the mouth resulting in salvation. And so I invite you today, as I preach to myself, walk and live for what's eternal. Walk and live for what matters most. You can't take anything from this world with you. You know, you look at this beautiful assembly, and I say this very respectfully, from the beautiful organ, the pipes, this is all gonna be ash. One day it all will be stubble. And the apostle Paul says, when it's all burned up, what will remain? the works that we do in the loving name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Let's sing this together. Thank you, Jesus. You can stand with me now. Let's worship.
Again, any prayer requests, be, be free to share those. Otherwise, God bless you, and we'll see you again real soon, okay?